Welcome to Don't Tell Baba, the conversational podcast with Middle Eastern flair and a touch of laryngitis. My name is Nood and my co-host is Shireen. And today I will have a very difficult time talking about careers. Shushu, what's this episode about? Um, so actually I feel like our audience is really lucky today because you have a very like dulcet, sultry uh, edge to your voice now. God bless wow. laryngitis, right? Um, Take a gander and enjoy. Yeah, you guys aren't going to get this like again. So, I mean, never. Hopefully, hope. yeah. This is so uncomfortable. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to go deeper into what we each do for livings or like what our backgrounds are, and I guess um, how we chose. Would we choose the same if we knew what we did now? So we're just going to do a lot of career commentary, probably go into how stupid it is that we make kids choose careers so early in their lives. Can we start with how stupid it is that we make kids choose careers so early in their lives? Yes, we can start with that. How stupid is it? Let me ask you a question to illustrate okay. the stupidity of it. <laughs> When is the first time you were asked what you wanted to be when you grew up? Gosh, like really little, right? Like right. ten and like ten or younger. Ten? That's late. Nude, I was not a social child, so people didn't ask me much of anything. That's that's fair enough. Um, I the first time I remember having a conversation about it, I had already had my mind made up, which means that I had probably answered the question before and had thought about it. Hmm. But the first time I remember the, having the conversation is when I was six, damn, in the first grade, Jeez. and it was my teacher. Yeah, it was my first grade teacher who said, and what do you want to be when you grow up? What did to you what did you want to be? An astronaut. <laughs> oh, oh wait, you know what? Nude actually couldn't end up being an astronaut because as her father so wisely pointed out, astronauts <laughs> need to know math. And what I said when my father told me that was, well then, I guess I'll be a lawyer. <laughs> it's um it's really interesting to me uh, how the answers that we used to give to those questions growing up in the society we grew up in and how we perceived success. I, I very rarely heard people be like, I want to be a ballerina or like a goldfish. Like we never had the luxury of being a little ridiculous, <laughs> right? Okay, so every time I read those like very shareable memes that are usually mm -hmm. from like parent pages of like shit my seven-year-old says it's so goddamn precious but I am convinced that I was never that innocent and childlike you know I don't think I don't think we're given the luxury we are taught to hustle pretty early on I think that's true and we see our parents hustle which is the immigrant experience um and so in seeing that, we kind of make up our minds and start to hustle ourselves like crazy people. It's true. But let's uh, let's start chronologically. The mm -hmm. first time you were asked what you wanted to be when you grew up, what did you mm -hmm. say? I told them that I wanted to be a 
dentist. I think that's what I wanted to be for a long time, which is such a stupid career for a child. But that's... (laughs) Hello, little one. What do you want to be when you grow up? A dentist. Right? (laughs) And like now that I'm older, I hate dentists so much. Like if you're a dentist and you're listening, I'm sorry. But like what is your – like why? Like I (laughs) hate going to this. What is your damage? What is your deal? Why do you like doing this? I don't understand. So I'm – but definitely when I was younger, the – it was dentist. I think I shifted to vet for a while. Me too. After astronaut. Oh, because we love animals. And and then for a very, very, very long time after that, it was like – surgeon or a pediatrician so some kind of doctor yeah I remember that I remember that time period I also remember the moment when you were like absolutely fuck that I am not doing that (laughs) it gets it gets such a good reaction when you're that young and you tell people you want to be a doctor oh absolutely and so you're encouraged and like I actually used to do a lot of reading on my own as like a really little child. This That's why mm-hmm. I know like an unusual amount of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom had this like book. I think it was like a mother care book. Uh, like yeah, from the, oh, I love that place. Yeah, from mother care. And it was like, mm-hmm. you know, it, just an encyclopedia of like ailments, like things, first aid, just children's stuff, right? Oh, that's cool. That's a cool book to have around. Yeah, and I used to read the shit out of that book, but I was like nine or ten reading this book. And so that is why I've like retained so much. And I always like, I've told people plenty of times, like, I am more likely to diagnose you faster than (laughs) your actual doctor, which has happened so many times. People will come to me and be like, I'm feeling this, this, and this. And I'll be like, I think you have this. But like 15 years later, the doctor will be like, you have this. You have this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I don't have an MD uh, for everybody listening. But I think it was was the reaction from parents. When I grew older, the reason I dropped it was because, hmm, I don't know, playing the part of being someone who wants to dedicate their entire life to something not creative because it was a part to me became exhausting. And I remember when I was young writing in my journal, it's okay, whatever I do, when I come home, I'll have a full bookshelf to greet me. And then I was like 16. And then I also wrote under that, I don't know what'll happen when that bookshelf isn't enough. Well, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. So um, I think eventually I just took pity on myself and was just uh, like, you know what, girl, you deserve to have a life. Let's do something a little um, easier, something where you'll have a nine to five. Yeah. Because I, the temptation to throw my entire soul into something is like definitely there. And when people's emotions are on the line, I get really extra about it. So I know for a fact I would be working 24 hours a day and like never talking to any of you if that were true. my life. It's true. There but would it be couldn't a be. Podcast, there yeah. would be no social life. I mean, it's hard. I get it. I get it. I mean, obviously, I commend anyone out here hustling as a medical doctor. But yeah. I, I, 
I cannot understand. I, I can't put myself in the mindset of a person who is comfortable in that lifestyle. I mean, the thing is, I fully respect the hustle. It's not for me. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also, my personal opinion about the way medicine is taught, the way medicine is practiced, is that it's broken in every single possible way. Um, and it could be better. It doesn't have to be like that. You know, it doesn't have to, yeah. but it is. Uh, and now it's just become like a culture thing, it being like that. Good job to anyone who's hustling toward it. We're proud of you, but we cannot do that thing right like yeah. the way the medical system is set up with the on calls and the rotating shifts like there's got to be a better way to do it like oh yeah be hiring more doctors <laughs> nude are you saying that the solution is to pay more people and have more hands on deck don't be ridiculous oh i'm i'm so sorry i forgot that we live in a disgusting capitalist society that places the dollar above the value of humanity and human life. Please. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, growing up as like being growing up and becoming very anti-capitalist, I don't think I would I could stand as it is. I struggle sometimes with the cost of like therapies and stuff that my field develops. I could not stand I could not stand treating someone like actually directly, right? Not like distantly from the lab and then slapping like a $400,000 bill in front of them. I just, even if I'm not the one slapping the bill down, I know that they're being charged for something I did. I can't. I know. I hear you. I hear you. It's different here in Canada, obviously, um, because healthcare is free, but we suffer for it in other ways and we pay for it by having absolutely not enough doctors uh, per capita. But mm-hmm. this is not our healthcare episode. Suffice it to say, Shushu wanted to be a doctor and decided, no, thank you. Absolutely. That, so that's <laughs> where we're at. Nude, what, um, for you, you wanted to be an astronaut when your dad told you <laughs> that you had to know math. You said no. And then you chose lawyer. Why did you okay. choose lawyer? So here, let me tell you the story. In the first grade, I wanted to be an astronaut, definitely because I had read something about astronauts or outer space, and we all know that I'm obsessed with outer space, and I'm obsessed with the planets, and I'm obsessed with the stars. And Mm -hmm. to me, like at the time as a six-year-old, it was very romantic to go be in isolation for four years while traveling to the moon, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, I obviously know that I would not thrive under such conditions. In fact, I would die. I would probably die. (laughs) I would have no one to talk to, and I would eat food out of a tube. Are you fucking kidding me? Fuck the moon. Who needs that? It can stay up there in the sky. I'll see it in paintings. I'll see it when the clouds part or something. But yeah, anyway, so I wanted to be an astronaut. (laughs) But like, fuck the moon. But fuck the moon. (laughs) No. (laughs) So I wanted to be an astronaut until I did a test in the third grade. It was a math test and I was anxiously rushing through it. And nobody was like, hey, that eight-year-old looks distressed. No. Yeah. They were like, that eight-year-old is probably fine. Here's an exam. 
by the way, do you want to go to college? Because your life rides on it. Oh, my God. So I skipped a page on this test because I was anxious and not looking. And I failed because I missed an entire goddamn page. Mm -hmm. So my father, when he comes home from work, of course, my mother says, I have to tell your father when he comes home, I know that I'm going to get fucked because you don't tell Baba these things or you're going to get screwed. Don't tell Baba. I know, right? And And then my dad comes home and my dad's an engineer. Right. Like my father is an engineer and he looks at his daughter's math exam and sees a failing grade and then looks at an eight year old and says, Baba, if you want to be an astronaut, you have to know math. How are you going to be an astronaut now? And in a fit of unconventional anti whatever you said, Aquarianism, I responded with. (laughs) I responded with. That's fine. I'll be a lawyer. And that's how I decided to be a lawyer. It was my, honestly, I just stuck with it for years. I was like, you know what? It was a really good comeback. I'm just going to stick with it. Oh my God. Did you know like what lawyers did? Did you have an understanding of what you were saying? Yes. Oh my God, dude. Yes, I have. Shereen, you know that I started writing out my mortgage plans when I was nine, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) My bad for asking this ridiculous question. I was a gifted child. <laughs> yep, she most certainly was. Oh, and now I'm a screwed adult, but it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It'd be like Everything. that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I decided to be a lawyer. Obviously, my reasons changed over the years. At first, it was just like, I like to talk and I am good at arguing, so I will be a good lawyer. <laughs> And then it became, I like to read and research. And then it became, I really deeply care about the justice system. And then it Mm -hmm. became, I really deeply care about justice, period. And then I really care about justice turned into, oh, so then I definitely shouldn't be a lawyer. Yeah. Another broken system, right? And I can't, I can't do the broken systems. I don't know if it's a personal failing or a moral failing or laziness or just being unrealistic. Maybe I do just need a reality check. I'm not saying that that's not a possibility, but I can't, I haven't been managing existing within broken systems. It doesn't work for me. I don't want to participate in something that I disagree with on a very deep level. I mean, I don't know if I would call that a failing. That's just a preference of yours. Yeah, but it kind of puts me in a position where I'm choosy when I don't necessarily have the luxury to be. Yes, you know, well, capitalism puts us all in that position, though, right? We, a lot of the times, don't have a choice. It's either do you want to live or do you want to fucking die? I mean, yeah. That's that's true and fair. Um, but I basically planned to be a lawyer up until I attended university and started like actually doing some like work and research and talking to lawyers and like visiting offices. And like I understood how much work was actually required. Mm-hmm. Like there was undergrad and then you have to do a JD, which is a Juris Doctor, which is another four mm-hmm. years So that would be eight years of school plus two years of articling 
Then you have to study for and write the bar before you can even practice as a junior associate who still doesn't make that much or do any of the good stuff. You're still mostly just crunching paper. And I don't crunch fucking paper. I don't. Yep, that's fair. Thank you. Um, So that was no longer an option. So I dizzily danced my way through undergrad. I like that sentence. (laughs) I dizzily danced my way through undergrad and came out the other side with grades that would not have permitted for law school, even if I still wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So I started applying to jobs with um, newspapers and television and broadcasting and then media. And then I got an internship in social media marketing. And that was the single worst job of my entire life. And we can talk more about why that was the worst job of my entire life later, but I I hated it. Mm -hmm. And then I decided that I had to go back to school because what do you do with a fucking BA in English? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can like pedal on the street corner, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then I learned through... Um, friends at the university, that Teachers College, which was a one-year program at the time, Mm -hmm. was going to change to become a two-year program. So when I discovered that I had one year to do it in under a year, I said to myself, you know what? Having like a licensed professional um, tag for my name would be pretty good, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. a smart career choice. Yeah. And I figured that even if I still wanted to go into media or newspapers or broadcasting in any way, that having a background in education could be beneficial. I could talk about education. If I still wanted to go into law school, I could work in law surrounding education. Like, I felt like there were a lot of pathways through teaching, but I didn't want to teach. I did not want to teach. I was adamant that I would never, ever, 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 ever be in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And then I had to do my first practicum, which is your practice teaching session. And uh, when I was doing it, I had to do two of those. And each was a month long. And uh, you kind of start off um, just watching what the teacher's doing. So you watch and Mm -hmm. learn. And then you start teaching a little bit. And then sometimes you can grade alongside the teacher to kind of figure out how to do it. You're learning curriculum. You're learning classroom management. Anyways, so on the day of my first practicum, I was really nervous. I was 21 years old. My oldest student was 19. Whoa. I was, I know, right? This was, this was a high school. I went in on the first day. I was placed in an ESL class. It was grade nine. They were like 14 years old. And on the first day, I fell madly in love with them. Aw, nude. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just, and then it became the only thing I wanted to do. It was like, You know that moment in film when the sky opens up and a ray of light comes down and there's the glow of righteousness and the in the background? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I had that moment. 
Now, I'm going to pause here because obviously there is more to the story. But mm-hmm. Shushu, why mm-hmm. don't you take us on a journey? Okay, I will take you guys on a journey. <sighs> the year is 2009 or 10. Well, the year is 2009, actually, because we started college in 2010. Oh, yeah, we did. We did. So um, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I think at some point I was still using my canned response of, yeah, I'll be a doctor. And everyone's like, wow, she's so smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still using that. But when it came down to choosing a major from the drop down list on the applications, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I am a child, first yeah. of all. Right. And I, I don't know who I am or what I want to do or the kind of person I'm going to be. And if that's still going to mesh with whatever I choose from this drop down menu. It's I remember so sitting. Scary. Yeah. I remember sitting next to my mom when we were just cycling through them. There's so many majors, right? I didn't sit with my mom when I was cycling through those. I was an absolute fucking mess. And I didn't want <laughs> anyone. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. It was a very, very, very dark time. Nobody was allowed within like five feet of me or I would lose my goddamn shit. Mm -hmm. Well, I was within five feet of you during that time, so I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, I did meanwhile have my mom next to me just going through each individual major. Some of them don't even like mean – they didn't even mean anything to me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember it was alphabetical. And I remember when we hit English, I was like – Haha, what mm. if? <laughs> yeah. Um, and my Can't mom handle. was like, my mom was like, nope. And my mom said to me, and this is not anything I hold against my parents because now that I'm older and went through extensive therapy, I understand why Arab parents want their children to make money. Of course. Um, but my mom told me, she's like, you are naturally talented in science. Don't mm-hmm. waste that. Mm-hmm. Except what my parents didn't know was that I have never in my life been naturally talented at science. Um, I failed math up until the seventh grade. Yeah. And yeah, I struggled with numbers my whole life. I just couldn't get into it. It didn't mean anything to me. I don't Um, think people know this about you. No, they don't. I failed math up until the seventh grade. I got so tired of like the guilt and shame that comes with failure in the Middle East Mm -hmm. that I was like, you know what, Shireen, the one thing that you are naturally good at is getting shit done. And I said, I am not going to leave this desk until I understand math. Four years later, I have a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering. How much math have, like how, you can't get any heavier on the math. The hustle doesn't get more of a hustle than this hustle. (laughs) Exactly. But it was a very difficult four years for me because I actually didn't know what biomedical engineering was probably until my third year. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't like my undergraduate program at all. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I like couldn't wait to get out of there. I like booked it. I squeezed what is often a five-year program into four years because I was like, I can't do this. I can't be mm-hmm. around these people. I can't. Mm-hmm. The professors were really awful. And I thought to myself, I don't want to be like you. I can't be like you, you know? Yep. Um, And it was a very, very hard four years for me because as I have always had to do with, and particularly when I was younger, becoming a good scientist was like a very long road for me. And now it mm-hmm. does come very naturally, but I have forced my brain into submission. You've trained for this. Yes, I have trained and now I am like a fully fledged expert. I can answer questions and do troubleshooting and problem solve and that's fine and great. But emotionally for me, being in that major was very difficult. Um, and I, you know, I had friends who loved research and I didn't understand. I hated being in the lab. I would have one hand like holding a pipette and the other hand with like a book, like just BSing my experiments while like trying to catch up on on all that good shit. And um I it was very difficult for me because I'd be like, I would always do this thing and it was to help myself. I would take X number of classes that I had to take, and then I would have like an extra slot, you know? And I didn't have to take anything in that extra slot because I only really have to take what I need to be an engineer, right? Right. Um, But I would always fill something in. And the thing like a Shakespeare class. Yeah, my top two things were English or religious studies. Nice. Um, so and doing having those classes, like actually saved my life and like literally were like the only thing it was like the string I held on to so that I wouldn't fall into a very deep and dark depression um but it was also painful because I was like it's really hard to explain to people and I like I don't know how to put words to it but it's like when I'm in an engineering class I'm kind of not dead inside but I'm not quite there I'm just kind of like okay Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not I, exactly I guess I'm not engaged. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. But when I was in like a Shakespeare class, for example, my heart felt like a balloon. That is the only way for me to describe it like a balloon that someone is pumping air into. And it gets to the point where I'm like floating. It is like a, a natural and ridiculous high that I get being in an English class, and it wasn't even just Shakespeare, the um, the comparative literature, the religious mm-hmm. studies. Mm-hmm. I love stories. It doesn't Me matter too. what the story is. Yeah, you get it. I love stories. I Here's- live and die for stories. Here's the thing, though, Shushu, the, the college experience that you're imagining having had, if you'd had a full course load of English, maybe you would have had a better time than I did. Mm-hmm. But I had a garbage time at university. I I squeezed what was normally a four-year program into three years because I just wanted out. I -hmm. didn't like writing about what I read. I just wanted to goddamn read it. If you want to hear my opinion on it, why don't you fucking talk to me? I am not (laughs) writing 2,500 words praising the genius of a dead person. I'm sorry. No. Okay. And I like totally, I totally respect that about you. But I love writing analysis. Like I know you do. I write a blog that gets no views. <laughs> I just love analyzing stuff. I you get views. 
my my love for English is so academic in addition to just being like emotional, but it's so academic. And, and that's I, what – sorry, go ahead, yes. No, I'm just saying that's why I think I would have been very successful at that. And because it was academic, I would have set my eyes on that PhD and not stopped until I was teaching at a university level. I know that about myself and I can it's say true. it with certainty. It's true. I agree with you completely. Um, meanwhile, I don't think that I was ever supposed to go to university. I do not think that the system was a good fit for me at all. I am not an academic. I do not like to dedicate my life to research. I do not want to be a professor. I do not want to publish analysis. I want to talk to people. I want to tell stories. I want to talk about what is happening now and why it is happening now and how it is impacting us now and how we can be better now. I, I want to read the books and I want to hear the stories and I want to know all of the themes that our lives are made up of because that's how you understand people. But then what I want from that is to have a human experience, you know? And I didn't get that at school. I didn't get it. I think this has been like the the great struggle of both of our lives is this like interest and curiosity about the human experience and having no way of like indulging that. I I found some of that in the English classes I was taking. Mm -hmm. For the most part, I found it in theater. Um, and theater yeah, wasn't. I never did theater. Uh, see, theater wasn't a thing in the Middle East, uh, like right? Really, right? And Such so, a it's it's a shame. But I love Shakespeare and Shakespeare's theater. So, um, I had to take a certain number of general like education units, which meant mm -hmm. like not engineering stuff, whatever. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I took an intro to drama class, and I honestly don't think I have ever been happier in a class than I was in that one. Um, and the first day we did Romeo and Juliet and I was like, yes, thank Yay. you, God. <laughs> this is what I want. But it actually created like great turmoil in me because the – and it's not about like wanting to be a famous actress. It is just mm -hmm. like the lore of the stage, mm -hmm. the dusty – like the dusty mm -hmm. smell of mm -hmm. the rehearsal room, the mm -hmm. wood, the mm – -hmm. Whatever lore Shakespeare felt, I'm 90% sure we, I felt the same thing. Um, and for, me, for me, I think if I had had access to theater, it would have been all about the drama. I think it would have yes. motivated me because it's so kinesthetic and present. Mm -hmm. Don't mm -hmm. I mean, you learn your lines, but like it's never been hard for me to memorize things. I just yeah. do. They just, I read them and then I just remember them for the rest of my life and I have useless information, but I have no idea where my keys are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I love theater so much, but like, and it was, it's, it's beautiful that I found that passion at that stage in my life. Um, and I love that I have the capacity to love things with such ferocity. I love that but, for you. 
<laughs> but it was very painful and I remember having a few breakdowns about it because it felt like that was something I was supposed to be doing that the English and the specific combination of that and the English which I guess yeah. is just a cool and fun way of saying Shakespeare um, <laughs> was like it's it was like calling to me not in a gentle way in a very like siren song if you mm -hmm. come here you will drown and you'll never get out and you can never get back on science kind of way you know yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. and I and I butted heads with my parents a lot about this because I was like I'm unhappy but they're also like it's a waste binti it's a waste okay um I mean how do I say they're not wrong because they're not wrong I know nude like it's they're not wrong but it's so difficult to be people like like you and I and I I hate that like oh boohoo we're so well-rounded we love things but it is actually <laughs> difficult not to just love and be resolutely in love with one thing I would much rather just love one thing and be done with it thank you right like yeah, it sounds like we're tooting our own horns. Nude and Shireen are I too good. I am tooting my own fucking horn. I'm one of the smartest people I goddamn know. And that's like the one thing I like about myself. So I'm going to have it. Thank you. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we, are, we are too good at too many things, but it actually makes choosing a career path so painful to appease me and to get me to calm the hell down. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents let me take... Uh, singing lessons because I love Hi. musical theater. Uh, and I didn't really actually believe that I would ever end up like on Broadway or anything, but it was an outlet where I could yeah. love musical theater. Yeah. And, um, and again, you know, stories, it's just another way of telling a story. I don't care how the story is packaged. I will eat it and like, let it settle into my body. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I was also, I, allowed and the thing is like people are like allowed you were like yeah, almost 20, I was about to say we should explain that it is about being allowed when yeah. you are an Arab child it is about no, getting permission I mean for me it wasn't so much <clears throat> I think we look you and I look at this slightly differently mm -hmm. for me I needed permission because they were paying and if yeah. I could have been independent of their financial support at any point I would have and if I had been independent of their financial support I wouldn't have gone to school I'm just I'm being very very honest I know that some of my students listen to this I wouldn't have gone to university if I had to make a choice again I'd go into carpentry well, that's, go actually into you're, you're really you're really good at you're really good at using your hands so that makes sense thank to me. you thank you I honestly yeah I I was yeah, it was about permission for me because I've always struggled with the guilt that comes with being Arab, I guess. Um, and But the thing is, I also tried to make it so that it wasn't a burden on my parents in any way. So I remember that, that I, too, so I, of course. I got the email from like the summer abroad office being like, these are the programs we're offering. And there was like engineering in Rome. And I was like, <laughs> ew, Ugh. I'm not going to take engineering to a new country. It can stay here in California. <laughs> um, and, and so there was there was Shakespeare in London. And I was like, oh my God, I have to go. It was at that point in my life where I had to go. And I yeah. actually would have been worried about myself if I hadn't. Mm -hmm. um, and there was this thing where it's like, if you write a really good essay, we'll give you a scholarship and that could like cover the airfare. 
uh, and I was like, okay, I'm obviously going to write this essay, right? So I write this essay and I tell the story of the first time I read Shakespeare. Um, and it was late. Uh, it was late to be reading Shakespeare. It was, it was Richard III. I remember the first lines of the first page of that play and I will take it to my grave. Um, He's just, you know, I, I will never forget now is the winter of our discontent made glorious <laughs> summer by the son of York, right? Um, and I got the scholarship. Um, I, I was like, and I remember my professor being like, oh, I know your name. He's like, you wrote, you wrote that essay. And I was like, yeah. thank you. He immediately <laughs> understood. He's like, there's this kid is insane is what he understood. <laughs> So I go to London, I, com passionate. I completely forget that engineering exists. For mm -hmm. one month, I'm dead to my career. And mm -hmm. it was beautiful because we would have class in the morning. I would argue and talk and make points and write mm -hmm. papers. And then in the afternoon, I was where Shakespeare had been. And that was so important. But it wasn't just Shakespeare for me. I was where Shakespeare was. I was where John Keats was like a too bright away. It was, it's insane for someone like me to like have that. It's true. Um, it's, true. it's the most incredible yeah. thing. It's the most incredible feeling. And it's not just like, I love Shakespeare. It's like, I feel Shakespeare here and like my bones are heavy with it kind of feeling. Um, and, and I was, I was good at it. And I remember I wrote an, I wrote an essay so our professor would like grade our essays pretty fast. He mostly wanted us to explore and kind of like get that Shakespearean experience. Wonderful instructor. Oh, he was awesome. And I remember I wrote an essay about uh, Henry V. Nice. Um, I think it was an essay about positive examples of masculinity. And I like waxed right. poetic. It was either that or it was a question like, who's the most miserable person in Henry V? And I'm like cracking my knuckles because I'm like, <laughs> here's my here's my galaxy brain answer. It is Henry V, right? And I read five pages about it. And he his grading scale included a grade that was just a star. And that meant that your paper was so good that it was worth three A's and he basically didn't know what to do with it. Oh my God, and that's our, amazing. And I remember Henry V was the first play we had read. And it yeah. was such a weird homecoming for me because we had read Henry the Fourth Part One in the twelfth grade. Yep. Um and now now my now my rascal prince is is a king and I'm just <laughs> like super into it. And uh, I remember writing that essay and he gave – it was the first one I wrote. I hadn't written Shakespeare in ages and he gave it back to me and the grade was a star. And I was like, oh, don't do this to me. <laughs> don't tell don't, me I'm brilliant. Yeah, don't tell me I'm good. So I spent the rest of the month there just like living it up, right? Like I, Of course. I didn't do anything crazy. I actually just turned into an academic for one month just doing something that I loved. And I remember at our very last night there, the last play we saw, and it was Fate, and I felt it. Richard III opened on the last day I was there, and I got to see it. it is and I was like, of, of all plays, right? Of all plays to open right as I'm here. It's It was it was what was my play at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the dinner before we all like kind of broke apart and, you know, went on our respective flights to go back to California, my professor took me aside and he was like, 
Shireen, I need to tell you that you are a natural at this. And Mm -hmm. if you end up doing this, you will never work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I said, thank you. Please don't tell me that ever again. I went back to California and I had a couple weeks of summer left, whatever. And I remember unpacking. I brought everything with me, every program, every postcard, every like whatever. I still have everything, right? Every little thing, just like anything, anything. Books of sonnets, plays, just everything that I collected. I just could not not have them with me. And I'm like putting them away and I'm telling my mom all of my stories. You know, I got rained on while watching a Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> I, got, I got rained on while watching Richard III. But luckily, I had the play memorized and didn't need to hear them through the din of the oh rain. Um, and and I remember, so I'm like, I'm packing and I'm so happy. I'm so animated. And suddenly it just falls apart and I burst into tears. And I say, why did you let me go? And I, and my mom at the time took it as, oh, she's grateful. Like, uh, like, thank you so much for, and it was, it was that as well, right? Like, thank you so much for giving me my freedom and letting me go out into the world, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, parents naturally are worried about their kids just like gallivanting Mm -hmm. throughout London. Mm -hmm. But I think the, there was this like deep ache in me that was like, why did you let me go now? I have experienced this. How will I ever go back? How did you? Uh, I just honestly had to suck it up because I'm uh, my personality just doesn't allow for like not doing my best at something. So I just had to suck it up and I was like, it's okay. And I remember in my journal, I called it, I was like, this can be my one last passionate fling with Shakespeare, which like looking at myself now, no way. Like that's definitely not what happened. It's a pretty long-term commitment. It's a, it's a (laughs) long, you know, I, I think in a way I kept trying to get rid of it because I was like, my life will be easier. Leave me alone. My life will be easier. Leave me alone. And it sounds like a little bananas. Like I'm a little bit nuts and I understand that, but it's, if people have ever experienced the calling, they'll understand what I'm saying, whatever that calling is for whatever reason, it's just haunted you your entire life. And so for me, choosing my career or my path to my career has always been fraught with so much drama. I ended up in grad school. I got a master's in biomedical engineering with a specialization in regenerative medicine. Um, I was lucky that I found regenerative medicine as as um, kind of like subcategory of biomedical engineering because it's actually something I'm interested in and I and I think is really cool. Um, that is very cool. And I was in grad school and I was like, maybe it was just that I was doing the wrong section of biomedical engineering. So I'm happy. I'm like living the dream, right? Uh, Professors Mm -hmm. at my grad school knew my name, spoke to me, treated me like a Mm -hmm. human being. It was a whole new experience. So I was like, oh, shit. Like, Imagine a positive learning environment if only we had decent class sizes. And so I thought, and yep, there were only 10 people in my program. So I thought to myself, I was like, okay, this is good. Like it was meant to be this way. Yeah. Um, One, I don't know what happened to me, 
But one day I was like, what if I sit in on a Shakespeare class? And I always <laughs> do this shit. So I'm like sitting here like I'm happy and well-adjusted in my chosen career. This is what it is to like a class. <sighs> I walk into this Shakespeare class and it's beginner Shakespeare. Even mm-hmm. I have enough self-esteem to say that I was far well and beyond that Very level. Very far beyond, yes. And it's super full, so I don't register for the class. I tell the professor, do you mind if I just sit in? And he was like, I don't care, right? He's like, who's yeah. this child, right? Who is this, this, who is this, <laughs> this newborn tiny child? little woman, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I just want to sit. Is that okay? And he's like, okay. And I come back and I sit and he's like, wow, you like actually came back. Nice. And I'm just like, yes, I told you I was going to sit. Excuse me. Um, nice. And, yeah. and like I read every play on schedule and and the professor just starts out like kind of being apprehensive about me because like who am why am I here like why isn't she leaving what is her problem Mm -hmm. why does she march in every time we read a tragedy and just declare I don't like tragedies and here's why and (laughs) as always happens with me we become very good friends and it is probably like a sight to see this like really small person he was like very tall like he was like a a a a very like big man (laughs) and so in the hallway you see me sitting in the hallway with my legs sticking out like not in people's way he would come early and sit on the floor with me while we waited while we waited for the thermodynamics class to get out um that was in our room he would sit together and he would say well shireen who did you hate this time (laughs) <laughs> and I would be like, you know what? <laughs> like, <laughs> or he would come to me and say, Portia is one of my favorite female characters in Shakespeare. Do you agree? <laughs> and near the end of the class, I remember we read Macbeth and I was like, I hate this play. Sorry, unpopular opinion. I don't like Macbeth. <laughs> and he said to me, and I remember I marched in and he's like, let me guess, you didn't like Macbeth. I was like, no, I didn't. And <laughs> At the end of the class, he was like, Shireen, I feel so bad when you say you don't like plays. I was like, why? It's not your fault. It's Shakespeare's yeah. fault. Yeah. And he says, I don't know. It makes me feel like I'm not teaching it well. And I was like, no. Oh, oh my God. I was like, no, no, no. My opinion means nothing. Don't. don't. He's, but it. What an educator. I know. I was like, no, no. And, <laughs> um, it is and not always, your fault, sir. I know. I was like, hey, no, that's ridiculous. And and then it struck me like, oh, my God, this is different. This is a different kind of love than the enjoyment I'm feeling in my regenerative medicine classes. This is not a conversation I would have with a scientist or engineer. No, I like and, stem cells. How do you feel about them? <laughs> I'd be like, they're pretty cool. And... So and there's the and conversation. I, and there's the conversation. And that professor, um, he's the reason I went and read every single play on my own. Because I was so scared. in touch with him? No, I should, but I should tell him he's the reason. I You should um you'd like it. The thing is, like I I was so scared before of reading Shakespeare because I'm always like, I'm only good at it because I've had good teachers and I have been lucky to have good teachers, right? Um, 
But then I was like, you know what? I'm going to read every single one. And that was my 2018 New Year's resolution. If anybody knows me, you guys will know that I did it. I have read the entire canon. Mm -hmm. And I did most of it on my own. And he just, you know, he told me once that it was probably better to be a scientist. He's like, at least you'll have money. An income. Yeah. yeah. And, and I understood that because he had never been to England. And I was like, what? No. I was like, no, no, no. You ha- I was like, no, you have to go like the 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 Shakespeare, like you'll you will feel the way I felt when I was there. That like beautiful heaviness of it's like having a weighted blanket on you that's amazing well I can afford to go is the thing and so the long and short of it is that I have spent my entire professional life very much at odds with myself even to this day I'm very much at odds with myself and I don't think it'll ever change I think this is going to be my lifelong struggle and I'm well, my therapist so. very badly wants me to make the jump. She thinks, even in her office, she's like, mm-hmm. okay, Shireen, come on. She's like, you light up like a light bulb when you talk about Shakespeare. It's true. It's, it's true. true, and I love it, but like the student loans, the cost of living, being alive is expensive. I know. And I think even Shakespeare would understand why I can't give up what I do now. But I think that I have to ask a question then. Sure. What do you do when the bookshelf's not enough? I start to write books, Nude. Why do you think I started to write books? I have... Yeah, this is the thing. So I've always, in my own way, been inspired by a lot of the books I've read and loved. Mm -hmm. And I've never done anything about it. Until one day I was like, guess I will. And and so now there now that I'm like writing things, yeah. It it's it's another way of like keeping myself afloat. The books are good, the writing is good, Shakespeare is always there for me. I'm going to London in June after not I'm being there for seven for years. Thank you. Because I was like, where do I go? And yeah, it seems so like blah and generic to choose no but i i want that like i want that security blanket weighted blanket feeling on me again i want you to have it and it could be my whole life it's true but that was not the cards that i was dealt however if i could choose again yeah i think i would suffer through the uncertainty and i think i would do shakespeare because I've had a lot of people tell me, well, yeah, you can't help people with Shakespeare. Like I I do help people now in my job, right? Technically, of it's course, like a yeah. health, healthcare thing. Um, and you can't help people with Shakespeare, but I disagree with that because if anything has kept me from falling to pieces, it's been Shakespeare. It's been nothing else. Literally and if nothing it's been else. And like that for you, then you could give that gift to someone else. Exactly. Because yeah. Like, nothing makes me happier than talking to people who are passionate about Shakespeare and to the professors who made me this way or helped to make me this way. Nothing makes them happier than them seeing that they can do that for someone. It's true. You know? 
right? It's, you I, know this as an educator. I can confirm. I can confirm. Yeah. It's all... Okay, so I think that that leads me back in. Mm-hmm. I left yes. off. Yes, teacher. <laughs> um, so I started teaching in grade 11. The summer... This is true. Before grade 11. Two weeks before school started, I received a phone call... I personally received a phone call from a school administrator who called home, got my dad on the phone, and said, may I please speak with Nood? My father was like, pardon? (laughs) (laughs) What did she do? And I, I, like, I was a problem child, but I did not misbehave. I was always a... Shushu, I think you can attest to this. Everyone thought that I was the perfect kid. Oh, yeah. You never, like, actually misbehaved. No, I I never actually did anything that I... Mm, That's not true. I mean, you did things, but it wasn't... It was not... There were a lot of things you did not do. Let me put it this way. I did it well then, and I do it well now. I put on the right face every time. I'm good at it. Mm. It is my greatest skill. I am a social chameleon. You can put me anywhere. I will blend in. I will be fine. This is very true. Right? Um, It makes me sound like I'm insincere, but I'm really not. I'm just very comfortable around people. Um, Yeah. So so I was kind of idealized. A lot of of people... thought that I was going on the wrong path when I chose to study English in university. I think my parents both got a lot of flack. You're letting your daughter study what? And you're mm-hmm. sending her where to study what? Literature? Mm-hmm. And what is she going to do with that? And why would you allow that? And you're just going to let your daughter go to the you know other side of the world to do God knows what with who knows what? Which, I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> but they're nosy as shit and who asked them? But they're nosy as shit. Anyways, I get this phone call. I go take the phone and uh, the guy says to me, Hello, Noor. How was your summer? Alhamdulillah, Ammo. Thank you. Kifak. Inshallah, tamam. Great. Uh-huh. So, uh, what's up? And he says to me, well, Noor, you know how you decided to go into the L class? And guys, I'm not explaining this again. It's an episode two. The L class, the S class, episode two. Get caught up. Comes up a lot. <laughs> so um, I was going into the L class. And I was going to get a history course, which is half the reason that I went into the L class is because I wanted to study history. And I get a mm-hmm. phone call. And you're not going to believe this shit. You are absolutely not going to believe this, listeners, because Shushu, you have to believe it. You were there for it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And in this phone call, please, please keep in mind, I am 15 years old. Can we keep Mm. that in mind? I'm 15. Mm -hmm. And the guy says to me, Noor, we were not able to hire a history teacher. And I said, you have two weeks. And he said, yes, we're trying. And I said, that's great. That sounds like a good amount of time to hire someone. And he said, yeah, we're, we're working on it. But 
in case we don't get anyone in by the time school starts, can you teach the course for a little while? Oh my god, this freaking school. (laughs) I say this as something like, Newt, I know what you're saying. You know that I taught 12th grade English for a while. Okay, so I like, but like also this, like thinking back on it, that's not normal, but continue your story, please. No, but hang on. The shadow teaching thing, I liked. We have to explain shadow teaching. But they weren't asking me to be a shadow teacher, Shushu. No, they were asking you to teach the class. That's insane. So what do you think I said? You said, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Of course. (laughs) Duh. I said, I said, sure, sounds like a grand time. (laughs) I, (laughs) so I go to class and I get up in front of all the other students who are my age and look like me and are dressed like me and have known me since I was almost like practically in diapers. And then an administrator comes in and says to the class, Noor is going to be teaching history until we can hire a teacher. Okay? Okay. Great. And then the administrator left the fucking class, leaving a 15-year-old girl in charge of a class that contained all of the people who were not nice to her. Is this smart? Is this smart? Nope. Anyways, parents complained. I did my best. I hated it. I decided I would never do it again. I went to university. By the way, when we do the university episode, I'll get into like my university experience in more detail. Great. Went to university. That's a whole story. Went to teacher's college. That's a whole story. I loved teacher's college, actually. I really, really, really loved that year. It was the first time I had ever actually enjoyed school. I liked what I was learning. I loved my instructors. I met like-minded people. I learned more in that one year than I had in the entire previous 20 combined. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was, a, it was a good program. I enjoyed it. I thought I didn't want to teach, but I fell in love. And then it's all I wanted to do. And then I um, couldn't get a job because because they weren't really hiring for the school boards because there were there was like there were too many teachers. Mm-hmm. So they weren't hiring. So I was unemployed again. And it just it felt like I kept getting hit by this brick wall. Like when I was looking for part time jobs when I first moved here and I didn't know how to write a resume because I never had to learn how because I got all of my jobs through Wasta. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. I had to learn everything from scratch. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to respond to authority because I never had to respond to authority. I I, like, (sighs) but teacher's college was a good place to kind of start to piece together just how to be a functioning person. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I built up a, a pretty solid identity there. And then I couldn't get hired, but then the most incredible guardian angel of an educator who was my instructor at teacher's college got me in touch with a friend of hers who was a higher up at the board. And I remember her calling me and telling me that this woman wanted to interview me for a position because I speak Arabic. And I remember just bawling my eyes out and thinking, no, I do not want it like this. 
I do not want it like this again. I do not want it through connections. I do not want it as a pity hire. Like, I, it's not fair. There are people smarter than me and better than me and kinder than me who are better educators than me who deserve this opportunity more than I do. And yet here we are. So um, I took the job and it was for newcomers to Canada. This was in 2015. So it was when we had a lot of Syrian newcomers. Mm-hmm. And I did the, basically, I welcomed them to the school system. I told them where their new school would be. I told them what their placements were. I gave them the maps. I gave them the pamphlets. I told them where they could get assessed as adults. Um, Like when the parents came in with their kids, I told them where they could go to school. I made appointments for them. I did translation. I held people who cried because in Syria they were in medical school and then they came here to be in grade 10 math. What the fuck? Like... So that was my first job in education. That's a lot. Yeah. And again, I was like 22 at this point, barely. And very quickly after that, I got hired by the school board because, well, actually, I was hired by the school board, but it became Mm -hmm. very easy because I had an employee number to just be a teacher. And Mm -hmm. then I got called randomly one day. I was at work. I was doing this job. And I got called by a school that I had applied to on four separate occasions Mm -hmm. because I really wanted to work there because every time I walked past it, I felt something. Yeah. Like I needed to be there for for some reason. I needed to be there. Mm -hmm. And I emailed the principal multiple times. He never emailed me back. I sent in my resume multiple times. I never heard back. But... That day, I got a call from the vice principal saying, hi, you're just on this list as one of our employees, um, and you're working with the reception center for the school board. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, do you want to teach adults by any chance? And I was like, "Um, yes. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been trying to for a year. I've been applying for a year. And uh, I went to my interview. I got hired like the next day and then I did that job for like four years Mm -hmm. and I loved it so much. I loved it so, 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 so much. Mm -hmm. But then when Mike and I moved up here, so we moved out of the city um, to the boonies Hmm. and my commute I thought it was going to be an hour-long commute from home to work. Uh-huh. It wasn't. It was one time on the way home from work on a Friday, on a warm Friday, I was in my car for three hours and 15 minutes to get home. Oh, damn. It was a warm Friday, and I live in cottage country, which is a huge blessing and a privilege, obviously, to live by the lake and shit, but... Mm-hmm. But I couldn't sustain it anymore. I couldn't plan and grade and show up and also sleep and also yeah. be renovating a house. Mm-hmm. And this was last November now. So I said, that's fine. I'll just switch school boards. And I did. And I thought I was fine. Mm. 
And I think for a long time I've been saying that I'm fine. And really I'm just trying to figure it out. And I have a lot on the go. And I'm honestly, I recognize how privileged and lucky I am to have the space right now to explore all of my options. I'm teaching part-time. I'm narrating audiobooks. We're doing this podcast and it's amazing. I'm 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 enhancing my voice acting career. I'm going mm-hmm. to start applying for commercials soon. It's Yay. so cool. It's so much fun. But I feel like I lost something really big. Yeah. I mean, that's a hard thing. Uh, with all the changes that were happening in your life, obviously the last thing that you needed was for your career to also take a sharp turn. I mean, yes. And the thing is that I, I mean, I look back at it now, obviously with rose-colored glasses, as Mike would mm-hmm. say. And I know that it was a very hard job. And I know that I was broken more days than not. Yeah. And I know that I had periods of really dark depressions then too. I've been I've been in and out of depressive episodes since I was nine years old. It's just Yeah. I guess it was just part of life at that point, but I was functioning. I was mm-hmm. working. I was getting out of bed every day and showering. And then when I took a summer off for the first time since I was 15 years old, it kind of I forgot who I was before I became the teacher. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, it's identity and and career is difficult. I always imagined myself as the person whose identity would be their career. I don't know why I always saw myself this way. And I know Mm -hmm. that I don't have to commit to something that doesn't work, obviously. Obviously, right? Yeah. But... I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it was the right fit. I think I did good work. I know I loved my work. I know that I went in there every day with just all the passion in the world. What I lacked for in perfect, or what I, sorry, what I lacked in perfection or or what I lacked in maybe preparation or specificity, I I made up for in passion, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But I forgot how to be anything else. I stopped reading. I stopped writing. I. Mm. It was just work, exercise, sleep, eat. Work, exercise, sleep, eat. And I got into that rhythm. And the minute it was disrupted, everything fell apart. So it wasn't just, okay, I moved house. I moved house. I lost my career. I was spiraling through an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know where that leaves me right now. I'm I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. And on paper, I feel like it looks really cool. Like I'm doing cool, fun stuff and I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. But I miss what teaching did to me mm-hmm. like five years ago. I want to feel yeah. the way I felt about it five years ago. I mean... I don't miss how teaching made you feel more recently. Yeah, me neither, but... Because you were feeling so put upon by your job that you actually wrote a series of poems about it. 
And I was like, this does not sound like an excellent job for you. (laughs) Going by these poems. Um, But if you're going to like pick apart my personality and try to find a good career fit for my personality, I should just be a YouTuber, honestly. I was actually going to say, I think you would be pretty good in like (laughs) broadcasting and the performing arts, which is a fancy way of saying YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I haven't laughed all day. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Wow. It's, it's, It's hard, Nude. Like I... My career has never been my identity for obvious reasons. I just spoke for 500 and, years about why. And here's what I was going to say. Yes. You are lucky in that way. Yes. So my what I was just going to say is the people who I have seen who have had their career be, be their identity, I have been very worried about, you know, here's the thing. It's so easy to lose. So easy to lose. And God damn it, capitalism wants you to lose yourself in your job because at some point you begin acting at like free labor and capitalism is yeah, like but... fucking finally. No, but Shushu, with teaching, it never felt like that because I wasn't doing it for capitalism. Believe me, they weren't paying me anywhere near enough for it to have been for no, capitalism. I know, but I was barely you doing not okay being, with a full You not job. being properly compensated is a problem of capitalism. Teachers are so deeply yes, disrespected because they put in so much work in the classroom and at home and they get paid peanuts compared to some people who, mm, I don't know, are exploiting their workers and just propping their feet up, you know? I think all of these problems are rooted in capitalism because either... So basically what I'm saying is when it becomes your identity, you start to overwork yourself because this is everything that you are and it's admirable, but capitalism wants you to overwork yourself because at some point you are off their dime. You are 100% right, but honest to God with teaching, it is different because it was never for me. Mm. I didn't, I just didn't factor. I wasn't a consideration. And I know that that's my own fault and that I should have taken better care of myself in those early years, but I didn't. It it wasn't about me. It didn't matter. The, the people I was there for mattered more. They just did. And I was okay with that. Yes. And I would still be okay with that if I wasn't just goddamn empty. Exactly. Nude, the thing is, like, I fully believe that if you were making, if the amount of labor you put in dictated your wage, I think you would still be a teacher because we really underestimate how much money has an impact on our lives. You will eventually get drained. You will eventually get drained when you are not getting enough back and you are not getting enough back emotionally and financially. No, but they all, my students always gave back. I have never for a second, for a second, felt that my students don't appreciate me. I kept going back for them. I know, Nude, but it's not about the the students. It's not about the students. It is about the board and the system that kills you. It's a bad system. It's a bad system. Those of us who have to participate in the system aren't at fault. You, the students, not at fault. But at some point, the board and the entire educational system in all of our countries delight at how much work you do 
for as for nothing for what is basically nothing it's not proportional i mean like i could do and i actually believe this i could do so much between now and the day that i die and mm-hmm. i think that teaching will still have been my greatest accomplishment that's Anur, that's wonderful. That's good. And to everyone listening, if you listen to our last episode, that's why we were freaking the fuck out <laughs> when Flame Lamp said teaching adults. We did not tell him that. Obviously, I'm not you know, gonna share um my students' stories on here. Yeah. But being part of the lives of people who have done more and survived through more and pushed through more than I will ever understand was a fucking privilege. And I would never, ever change that. So no, if I could do it all again, I wouldn't do it differently, but I would try to do it better. It's difficult. I know. I know it's difficult. I, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Mike and, and bring up rose colored glasses. (laughs) Uh, and say that you may be wearing them because I was an outsider uh, during this difficult time in your life. And when has it not been a difficult time in my life, though? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this difficult education related time in your life. <laughs> I think you're a good teacher, but I also think. I also think you absorb absorb emotions very easily. That's and you weren't really teaching like naughty rich kids. No. And so you were surrounded by a lot of negative emotions and you are a sponge and then you start to soak them up and they start to become part of your identity and that is a problem and that is what you recognized and had to peel yourself away from. Just because you're privileged doesn't mean that that's any less painful or bad. Yeah. Right? I guess. I don't know. I just, I keep replaying it in my head. How could I have, what could I have changed? What could I have done better? And then I go, and I know this is a horrible game to play. Every Mm -hmm. therapist on earth will tell you not to play this game. And I can't stop. It goes back to, okay, well, what if I had grown up in Canada and trades were a legitimate option? Or Mm. what if I had grown up in Canada and my parents didn't think that fighting was only for boys and I started boxing at a young age? Maybe I would actually have been an athlete. Maybe I would have been a boxer. What if I wasn't made fun of for being, I don't know, masculine when I'm not, I'm not masculine. No, you're not. No, you're okay, just so not you're just a person. You're just a person, dude. Thank you. Those are um, the social constructs. Come on, social constructs. We don't play that here. We hate that here. You're right. We hate that here. But yeah, like instead of being made fun of for things or being told that things were inappropriate, I always wonder like, what if I had done that? Would I have been happy? What if I had done that? Would I have been happy? And you can't play that game because those outcomes are impossible at this point. What happened happened and I need to decide how to move forward from here and I need to decide whether or not I want to continue teaching in any capacity that's like that's the decision I have to make now 
Mm-hmm. I want to tell you something, nude, because that game has been my favorite game for most of my life. <laughs> what if I had changed my major without asking permission? Oh. What if I had just chosen English and put my foot down and been like, I was never naturally good at science. This is what I'm naturally good at. And you all have to deal. That's what, what I did. if? Yeah. But like, what if I did those things and I was so angry at myself? I was like, God damn it, Shireen. You're not as brave as you think you are. Like, you, 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 you're not. And then one day it hit me, literally at the age of 27. We didn't have any power when we were that young, Noor. But making those decisions, but Shireen needs nude. You didn't. I know you think you did, but you didn't. At that age, you do not have power. I'm telling you, I made my calls. I was given space to make my calls, and I made them. Believe you me, I was accepted to four law schools. I did not choose to do that. My parents wanted me to go to Lebanon. My parents wanted me to accept the AUB offer. I do not want to tell you about the screaming match that ended that. Oh, I remember that screaming match. I remember that offer. I do want to tell you, though, Nude, like, there had to be screaming matches. Every decision you made was some part of some larger fight. Yes. Which means that we did not have power over the situation. I'm talking about the hypothetical Oh, in which that. we were given free freedom. We need power and freedom. We didn't have either. If you have to fight for everything, you are not free, right? It's true. We didn't have power. And so we have to forgive ourselves for the decisions that we made. And we can choose to stick with them like I am. and Or we can choose to explore other things like you are. Yeah. I, personally, I personally have the very... Uh, unfeminist fantasy of marrying rich so i can read shakespeare all day the goddamn time but here's the thing i don't want to marry rich i am very happy with mike i love him more than it is even possible to love a person but if a sugar daddy wanted some (laughs) photos sometimes like i could send photos sugar daddy hey all no shame happened. here. <laughs> but you know, I, I do I'm sometimes I'm just like, huh, what would it be like if I was just what if someone was just like, you don't have to ever work again. You can read Shakespeare all day and yell about it on your blog. I'd be like, oh my God, thank God. I will literally do anything for you. I don't even care. <laughs> um I like it. It's a good fantasy. I play it all the it's time. It's a good fantasy. Yeah, it's a great fantasy. Um, actually, when you said you do, when you said me too, I was like, you fantasize about me marrying rich. I was like, like, wow, Nude is such a good friend. So glad that she daydreams on my behalf. Actually, I do fantasize about you doing things, but don't worry about that. Oh, wait, that's sketchy as hell. I fantasize about Shushu writing. Like, I have visions of Shushu, like, at a writing desk. It's just, it's good. They're good. It's all happy. It's good. I know. And I have visions of you in a recording booth. And that's that's what being supportive of each other is. But Nude, we didn't have power. And that's the problem with making these decisions so early in your life. 
You don't have, have power. Gone... Dude, should I have gone to Edinburgh? No. But I would have been a lawyer. Nude, the could've, should'ves, whatever, we can't, we can't <sighs> play that game. We can't play that game. I, I don't know if everybody struggles like this with their career, uh, because God damn, we obviously do based on the past hour and 22 minutes. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a, it, it's a big one for me. Like, here's yeah. the thing. If there's any way that you can separate yourself from your career entirely so that it is just a thing that you do and then you make money and then you go home and that's where you have a life. Like if that's a possibility for you, go for it. Honestly, is is my very, very honest, practical advice. Don't make your career the most important thing in your life. No, please don't. Like literally the only reason I have been able to survive and still be like happy and like stable is that I, as soon as I was given the opportunity to do so, as soon as I had power to make that decision, I drew a very clear line. I'm like, this house is a no science zone. Nice. Literally. And, and it's, it's, it's better like this. You know, I never feel tempted to overwork. I never feel tempted to I don't even like read scientific papers and stuff in my free time. Like people will link me to articles and stuff. Be like, Shireen, this is so cool. And I'm like, is it though? Yeah, I have separated myself so far that I genuinely have like a work Shireen that I take to work and she's fine. She's happy. She's pleasant to work with. She's intelligent. But that doesn't need to be me. Yeah. No matter how good science is for the world, and it's wonderful for the world, and there are great scientists out there and everything, it is not rooted in emotions. And the fucking Pisces moon in me <laughs> can't live like that. <laughs> I know. Because even as, as much of a badass as everybody thinks I am, you can speak to this. I'm actually kind of not. You're so soft. Uh, I'm so soft. You I think are. about feelings 24-7. Literally. I write about feelings 24-7. I'm vulnerable as hell. All the time. I'm so sensitive. So sensitive. So sensitive. It's true. And so it's not – science is not the place for that. But I have to honor that part of me that that is who I am. And I do that by drawing that firm line in the sand. I don't even take my work laptop home. Everybody else does. And I'm like – no. People are like, did you get my email? I'm like, if you sent it out of after five, it sucks. <laughs> like, I mean, I was responding to student emails when I received them at midnight. I dreamt about my students every night. There was no separation. It was my entire life and nothing You deserved else. that separation though, Nude. But I don't know how to say this without sounding like a bitch. Just do it. Like, okay, this is with all the best intention. Um, no, it's not good enough. If you're doing something like that, do it all or don't do it. I'm too weak for it, mm. but it mm. is the expectation that I have of the profession. To, like, give your all? Yes. Mm, I see. Okay. It, I mean... I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not my career. I can't really comment on it. I feel like the people who do it best do it best because they give it their all 
And the other option is people like me who end up leaving. And the other option is people who become jaded and become horrible with time. And then the mm-hmm. final option is people who are a little bit more mentally stable than I am, <laughs> who do manage to find that balance somehow. I mean, I'm turning 27 in three days. Yay. And I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but I'm pretty hopeful that I'm going to figure something out. Okay, first of all, anyone who thinks that they know what they're doing in their 20s is lying an undercover cop. there's no way there's no way there's no way like it's such a difficult time in our lives such a big time of transition it's such a time of pressure and and terrible feelings and yes all of this wondering about the decisions we made to get to this point anyone who thinks they haven't figured out not to be an asshole their breakdown is around the corner and we will welcome them with open arms to this absolute Shit I feel I feel like they're gonna be fine, but then they'll like they'll have a nice good midlife crisis, you know, like a mm. good one, like a mm. thorough like, midlife crisis. That good good midlife crisis. Yeah, I feel like I probably will be able to avoid the midlife crisis just because I've had so many early life crises that I assume it must get better at some point. Yeah, I think. I- <laughs> I think I would have, you know, I think I would have if I had like actually thrown myself into the science and like kept doing that. One day I would have been at a conference and and someone would have like, someone would have like said something and it would have triggered like a horrible flashback in me to like 10th grade English and I would just lose my fucking mind and be like, what am I doing here? I loved Shakespeare once. I had a personality. I had a personality <laughs> once. How dare you talk to me, me about cells. Me in my last year of teaching, I had a personality once. Where'd that go? <laughs> I mean, nothing is more alarming than when people like you and I stop reading. Yeah. What a what a red flag. And I barely read when I was an undergrad. What a red flag. Now as an adult, when I don't feel like reading, I'm like, What's going on with you, Shireen? Is it time to call up the old therapist? Yep. I uh, saw my, I saw my therapist today, which is partly why I'm obviously so tender today. It's it's been a long yeah. one. It's been really hard. Um Oh. Yeah. You're like you're so tender, like a little I'm chicken really wing. Te- I'm yeah, I'm a tender little <laughs> chicken wing today. <laughs> yeah. A little so golden little. brown. <laughs> yeah, a little crispy. It's okay. <laughs> it's delicious. You're still delicious. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I think I'm going to be a sick voice actor. I can't wait yeah. to be the voice of a Disney villain. I wear my Disney hoodie every time I'm in the studio because I'm manifesting that good, good shit. Yes. And uh, and it's the Disney hoodie we bought together because California Aww. got cold one night. Oh, yeah, that one time we were cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody here asks me when you're coming back. Oh, my time. God. I miss everybody there so much. I love you guys. This city loves you. It's insane. I love that city. 
I know. The lights, the sounds, the music, the beautiful people, the beautiful people. <laughs> the the cranky scientists <laughs> who think that they should be teaching Shakespeare in rainy old England. They're my favorite part of LA. <laughs> I saw a uh, one room tiny castle on sale um, in Stratford upon Avon. And I was like, should I go be like a witch? Are you joking? I literally was like, Mom, uh, do you have like 15,000 pounds? That's and it? Yeah. I was like, dude, this is so cheap for a castle. And then it had it had like a stream, an orchard, and a vegetable patch. And I was like actually on the cusp of throwing up. I was like, what if I just live there and become like a, I don't know, more of a Shakespearean scholar than I already am? And actually, this reminds me of something. No, do you ever struggle with like, because, you know, we have side hustles, right? Yes. Yes. And, you know, and we have, we have degrees in specific things. Mm-hmm. Do you ever struggle with like calling yourself something else? Yeah. I I struggle with this so much. On my blog, I would always say amateur Shakespearean, whatever. Mm. And then recently I forced myself to change it to Shakespearean. I was like, Shireen. I but the thing is, I'm like, I don't have the documentation to prove it, but for all intents and purposes, I am a scholar. Yes, you are. And I you don't accept are. that. I say, I never tell people, I just say, oh, I write here and there, but I'm a novelist. You are. You are and a novelist. So, you, yes. so listeners, Shireen has actually written and edited an entire novel, a beginning, a middle, an end, characters, a plot, everything you want to happen between the covers of a book happens and she did that all by herself on her own time while also saving lives as a scientist how are you not everybody's idol i don't know people just become <laughs> a crank cranky little asshole you're not a cranky little asshole you're a goddamn genius and people better start appreciating it or they're gonna have to go through me oh <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, though. Like, I've written a novel that currently clocks in at 82,000 words. Thank you. But I can't call myself a novelist. And I hate that. I hate that about, about degrees and career yep. paths, how they mm. lock you into something and you think to yourself, this is all I can ever be. Yep. yep. It's so difficult. I really do feel that way. It's not true, but I feel... It's like, okay, 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 here's an analogy. It's mm -hmm. like the difference between breaking up. It's, okay, it's what I imagine the difference would be between breaking up with a long-term committed partner and getting mm -hmm. a divorce. They are both mm -hmm. equally devastating. They are the same amount of pain, but one of them comes with paperwork and is therefore legitimized. Yes, absolutely. Right? So difficult. I have been really trying to work on that. Like, I was up until 1230 last night, which is pretty late for me. You know that I'm on a, a healthy sleep schedule. You you are. Yeah, I was up at 1230 because I was like, I need to find a book about what exactly France was like in 1832. Yes. And yes. 
Because, you know, in a classic Shireen fashion, I see one costume in a musical and I'm like, well, now I have to write a 400-page book about this. You really um, do, though, because I need to read it. I know. Oh, I was just like, sorry. Like, no offense, but you don't make costumes like that without specifically intending to inspire me. But okay. No, that was made for you entirely. I don't know what anyone else was even doing at the theater. You were the only one who needed to be there. Literally, you know, I actually did end up telling my mom, I was like, hey, you know, I told Nude that um, I'm going to tell you one day that the only reason we have such front row seats to Les Miserables is because I have to do my homework and I'm yeah. kind of thirsty for one costume. Yeah. And my mom was just like, yeah, well, and I was like, you know what? I did tell Nude he would be like that. And she was so impressed because my mom is so used to me saying like the most banana shit like mom. I saw a picture of a man in a necktie today and I wrote 15,000 words about it and they're very good. Your it's, mother. It's, it's me and the neckties. And she she knows at this point. She's like, it's not, not like a tie, but like a necktie, like an old timey necktie. Like and there's just something, something like that. It, uh, it triggers some terrible creative rush in me every time because I'm like what if it was a little disheveled and loosened right dear um, future suitors of <laughs> if you do not come with your cravat slightly undone and your face ever so slightly disheveled what are you even doing get the fuck out get disheveled what are you <laughs> like who are you so one of my really – this is going a little off topic, but I feel like it's entertaining enough to at least share the story. Um, one of my friends doesn't know anything about, like, um, period pieces, but that is primarily, like, the circle in which I operate. And she – and so she actually one day sat down and Googled all of the costumes, and she's like, is this it? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, why are you asking? She's like – I figure one day I'm going to have to tell a man to dress up in one of these. I will not be held responsible for my actions. (laughs) I have a thing and I'm putting it out into the universe. I unfortunately have this thing about period costumes. I love them. I can like write, I can wax poetic about them for pages and God damn it, I have. But the point is I'm up at 1230 at night being like, what happened in 1832 France? Because if I'm going to write a revolutionary character who's obviously like wearing a loose necktie and is looking very disheveled, I need to know what was happening politically. I do that and I cannot call myself a novelist. No, you're a novelist. You are a novelist. Here is your piece of paper. You're a novelist, all right? Mm-hmm. There, and that's nude. your certificate. Here is your home studio. You are a voice actress. Well, shit. Well, shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. To everybody listening, in case you are interested, Cambridge Press actually published a book called Royalists, Radicals, and Les Miserables, France in 1832. If oh you are God. like me and are slightly insane, did I drop 40 pounds on it? Of Maybe. Course. Maybe. <laughs> you have Girl, to. It, it's investment. It's an investment. I ha- it's future. an investment. Mm-hmm. It is for the sake of the costume. That's all I'm going to say. That's that's exactly right. 
That is exactly it, right. It'd be like that sometimes. Sometimes you just see a disheveled man and you're like, well, I'm fucked. So <laughs> you, do- you oh, win. No. <laughs> well, I do write romance, so goddamn, if it oh. doesn't happen, I have failed in every way possible. <laughs> Oh, I can't imagine you failing anything. Um, No. Should we tell everyone the wonderful news? Yes. Why don't we tell everyone the wonderful (laughs) news? Okay. Um, We're going to be speaking at a conference. Yes, we are. So the wonderful news, the wonderful news was not that Nude and I are endlessly struggling with our careers or that I have a thing about cravats, but that we are speaking at a conference in Toronto on February February 22nd. Yes, we are speaking at the Yella Let's Talk conference and it's a conference Mm -hmm. for Arab millennials and Nude and I are so excited because we're going to be together and we're going to be giving a talk. And that means that Shushu's going to be in my house. I'm going to be in her house. I'm going to be very cold. I am the only, so excited. The, the only thing that will be keeping me warm in fucking Canada in February are all of my thoughts about those sweet, sweet cravats. And that is the Yeah, truth. but also my pets, who you will hold close and dear. Yes, oh, I will. Also, probably you, who is going to hang on to me like a spider monkey. I am going to be hanging on to you like a spider monkey. You will not escape my grip for the entire two days that you are here. I know that. So if anyone's interested in this conference and they live in Canada, um, you can find out more information at yltconference.com. For all of our international friends, they are going to be recording the talks and putting them on YouTube. So we will share links um, as soon as we are able to. Um, We will link all of this information in the description box, in the show notes down below, so you can find the tickets if you are interested in coming to see us and say hello at the Allah Let's Talk conference, which again is on February 22nd. That is in 20 days, which gives my voice ample time to heal from this torture that I placed upon it at a wedding (laughs) i just like completely zoned out and was like what if i wear a necktie to this conference yo it says business casual you can definitely wear a necktie i can do it um thank you everybody for listening to this episode we know it was maybe a little bit of a party pooper episode but nude and i don't lead well no because like as fun and entertaining as we are our lives aren't fully charmed all the time um, yeah. you know, we want to be honest on this podcast and share actual human struggles. And we both thought that this was something that people do struggle with. And after what Flame Lamp told Nude in our last episode, yeah. it seemed like a natural next conversation to have. A difficult one, but a natural Honestly, one. It was a necessary next conversation to have. And if I'm trying to make a career in entertainment... I need to get used to putting my dirty laundry out to hang where my mother can be ashamed of it. Yeah. <laughs> I just told the uh, people who listen to us that I 
lose my fucking mind when I see a cravat on a man. So that's true. <laughs> we have really just done and exposed ourselves in every possible way in this episode. But also to everybody listening, don't act like you're above the cravat, okay? You just haven't seen the right one. Yeah, and don't act like you're above taking care of yourself like I did. Yes, yes. Which, like both of us did, Nude and I spent a really long time prioritizing a lot of different things, um, and they weren't always necessarily the right things. If you have made the same mistakes as us, I do want you to think about how you probably didn't have a lot of power. But now that we're adults, we do have power, so we need to be more careful with what we do and how we do it. Yeah, be mindful, be thoughtful, and... uh... Keep striving for what will hopefully be a better tomorrow. Yeah. You want me to take us out? Please do. Okay, everybody. This has been yet another episode of Don't Tell Baba. We hope you enjoyed it and hope you'll stick around for more. Our music is by Omar on Fiverr. His username is CH6K0R. Post-production is done by Newt's husband, Mike. So thank you, Omar and Mike. Thanks, guys. For more shenanigans, find us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBabaPod. You can also find us at the Yellow Let's Talk conference on February 22nd. But if you want to drop us a line between now and then, call us at 530-32-HADAM. That is 530-32-42726. We will see you next week. And remember, don't tell Baba. Don't tell him. Don't tell him you hate your career. It's going to be a really annoying conversation. He's going to be devastated, honestly. He's He's just going to feel bad. Yep. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Love you, Shu. I love you, Nude. Love you all. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.